Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello, and you are listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Andy Stewart. I'm a disgusting filmmaker. I'm Mitch Bain. I'm a horror writer. I'm an occasional dude of musical things, and I still feel weird about coming in second at this. And you're a man looking at me. <laughs> sure. Looking across the uh... table and looking at me. Hello, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. How has your week been? It's been pretty good, and now we're recording on a Saturday. How rare is I this? Know, this is a yeah. rare thing. Yeah, kind of cool. I like it. I'm pretty cool, but it. it feels like we're ahead of the game for, for yeah. once. Yeah, for once, we're just on. Yeah, we're ahead of the game, running away with it. Yeah, um, so we're ahead of the game, but um, this week, a lot going on. you made time to watch anything. I have watched some stuff, oh, nothing yeah? particularly new. I did revisit our last, I think it was the last mini-sode discussion when Ty West came up in conversation. Yeah. And you posited that perhaps the best of Ty West films was The Sacrament. Um, I went back and watched The Sacrament. Yeah. Loved that again, by the way. Um, and it is good, don't get me wrong, it is really, really good. It builds attention really, really quickly, actually, uh-huh. I think, and really, really strongly. Now, before I go on to talking about what I actually think is my favourite Ty West film, okay, I'm going to jump ahead because I also watched In a Valley of Violence. Okay, definitely kind of like, and I'm, this, I'm not speaking to the quality of it at all, but I think that just in terms of like style, genre, things like that, definitely the black sheep of his stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, Ty West doing a western. Ty Western? Wow. Yeah. Ha <laughs> You can have that, that one for free. I, I found that quite quite tickling. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, and yeah. that's not edited at all. That came right off the cuff. Yep, yep, right okay. out of thin air. Or I've never seen a man look so smug. Feeling pretty good right now. <laughs> You're almost lie. like blowing your fingers and wiping them <laughs> on your shirt. <laughs> Finger gun <laughs> quality. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, I, I liked it. Perhaps I've been spoiled by the films he's done before and I wasn't expecting... Yeah. Um, maybe I was expecting something more in a to- uh, Bone Tomahawk vein. Well, I mean, like, because I, th- I think that there's nothing about this being like a Thai Western. There's nothing about Fuck that off. that is a making it stick. There's nothing about that that's nothing about the way it turns out. There's nothing about the end product that's particularly surprising when you think about the kind of films he makes and the kind of atmosphere he goes sure. for and things. Okay. But I know what you mean. I think that because I kind of expected the same thing as well, and I don't know why. When I read about it initially, I was like, oh, I, I kind of expected it to be a little bit more over the top and the, a little bit more extravagant. But, like, um, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think In a Valley of Violence is pretty interesting. Uh, there's good performances in there. I like the story a lot. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely... Um, there's no guarantee that you'll be particularly interested in it just because you like his other and stuff. I tend to tune out when John Travolta comes on things. I can understand that a I little, really I guess. Do, like, yeah. I'm, I'm at the point in my life now where I don't need... I feel I don't need to watch John Travolta and things. Yeah, I can understand that. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I mean, I, I, Sorry, I, 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 I personally don't particularly have that problem, but I do know what you mean. Wasn't a bad film by any stretch. I had an okay time watching it. Um, for the record, going now going back and thinking about it, House of the Devil is still his best film. Do you think so? I do. House of the Devil is brilliant. But House in of fairness, the, amazing. the Innkeepers is great as well. You see, you know, yeah, it is great, but House of the Devil is better. 
I'm gonna stick to the sacrament for my favorite Thai West. Okay, um, but, such as you're right. But yeah, but it's it's an unbelievable body of work you're picking from there. In fairness, apart from the one he did in ABC's of Death, which is terrible and best left forgotten. Oh yeah, I hate that also. Actually, yeah, that's fair. I can't. Yeah, no, I, I do not like his segment in ABC's of Death, and I don't know yeah. where his budget went. I have seen loads of stuff this week. Uh, you've been especially busy, and you've been um, keeping me clued up as we've kind of gone through the week. I think it was maybe because I was watching so much stuff, and I was like texting you, being like, oh, look at all these things, because I was quite excited about the fact that I was actually sure. making room yeah. to watch stuff. Also, I think that one of the reasons why I'm going to admit that I did um, pinch your shutter login to go and watch... <laughs> you uh, did pinch my shutter login, thanks very that. much, and you fucked up all my, my watch lists and... <laughs> yeah, every, like, everything now is just like people who like detention also like this. Um, <laughs> no, no, they don't. <laughs> um, no, I did, I did, I did catch uh, Eddie Calvo's "Sweet Sweet Lonely Girl" on there. I fucking love "Sweet Sweet Lonely Girl." Okay, <laughs> that film is awesome. Uh, I love it. It's um, it's weird. It's a slow burn, but it's also only an hour and a quarter long. Um, Perfect. 70, Perfect. Seventy-six minutes and like a legitimately pretty creepy last quarter of an hour. But it's basically about a girl who moves to like this kind of very small, kind of like kind of, almost like a kind of woodland village kind of place to go sure. and look after yeah. her aunt who is kind of bed bound, can't leave her room certainly, or doesn't leave her room. Uh, so it's basically a lot of it is just about uh, her adjusting to that, and she kind of forms a tentative relationship with another girl that lives around there. And a lot of the first forty-five minutes to an hour of the film is just kind of doing the kind of character heavy lifting for that, mm-hmm. and it gets kind of creepy towards the end. Loved it. Love the music, love the style, love the feel. What I would say is it kind of falls into a category of horror that seems to divide opinion. Actually, it's not a million miles away from House of the Devil. I would would say that if if you like that, there's a road in there. But I would say the thing that I spotted the most and the kind of feel that I kept coming back to in my head was the kind of thing that Oz Perkins has done for Netflix. I'm Uh, the pretty thing that lives in the house. I'm the pretty thing that lives in the house in February. Those kind of things. But yeah, Sweet Sweet Lonely Girl, two thumbs up. Absolutely loved it. Uh, Get on that. Like I say, it is on Shutter now. Want to take a look at that? I also this enjoy week, that. Enjoy my shutter login. <laughs> I also uh, on Amazon Prime this week, which I have my own one of. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I watched Behind the Mask: The Rise of Leslie. Okay, Vernon. now, yeah, we talked about this. Uh, I, I really like Behind the Mask. I think this is a really cool film. Yeah, uh, I liked it quite a lot. I uh, for uh, I keep saying for anyone who hasn't seen it, I know I'm the only person who hasn't seen it. But like, um, I don't know if that's true in this case. Uh, yeah, maybe not. But it's it's a it's a mockumentary style thing about um, a kind of would be serial killer. Yeah, who's about to embark on his reign of terror in a town. I think that, and just a documentary film crew is just covering that. I think that in itself is funny. Yeah. It does a lot of funny stuff with that. Like, see his parents being super supportive of it. <laughs> yeah. Stuff I think is very, very funny. I like the fact that it's done in the documentary style until the murders happen, and then it gets shot. like a film. Yeah, it gets shot cinematically, which I think is cool. Yeah. Scott Wilson. Scott in Wilson's in there from Ninth Configuration and The Walking Dead. Yeah. Uh, very cool to see um, Zelda Rubenstein from Portergeist in there as well. Uh, obviously, she's no longer with us. This must have been one of the last films she did before she passed away. It's like 10 years old now, isn't it? It's like 2008. Oh, yeah, more than that, I think. 2006, I think. Okay, yeah. Um, Could be wrong with that number off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think Nathan Basil is really great in there as Leslie. I yes, think he's, oh, he's really, great. really likable, really charming, and good to see, always great to see uh, guys like Kane Hodder and Robert England pop up and stuff. Yeah, it's cool, especially yeah. when it's a real kind of celebration of genre type thing, which which this film definitely is. Yeah, and I'm um, kind of about that. I think that my only kind of 
the only thing that kind of nipped me about Behind the Mask was, see, when you make something that kind of sets out to skewer genre conventions. Sure, yeah. I think regardless of how well you do that, it's hard to not fall into them when you need to, when the story needs to resolve itself. And I think that regardless of how winky and self-referential you might be about that, I think that inherently that can be quite dull. Okay. Yeah. And I would say that my only real problem with Behind the Mask was that it kind of stymies its own momentum a little bit with the kind of hunt and chase third act. And I know that the whole joke is that it's ticking all the boxes that it's supposed to. I understand that. And I don't even know if there's necessarily another correct way to finish the film. It just, the reality of that is that you've seen it a heap and you have to be very funny and very savvy about it for that to work particularly well. And I think it's the only part where I really felt like the film stumbled. Uh, but apart from that, it's great. I mean, I would still recommend it 100%. Yeah, I know um, Scott Glossman, the director, did a crowdfund a few, way, way, way long ago. I think I was still writing for magazines before I'd ever made a film. Yeah, it was like Beneath the Mask or Beyond the Mask or something like that. Okay. Um, which I, I chipped in. I don't know what ever happened to that, but I, I still feel it's a project that I would quite like to see and a project that I'd be behind. I feel like there's a story there, for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I want to take a second on non-horror stuff, actually, just because, like, for reasons I won't go into, I had a bit of a week of it this week. And on Thursday, I just kind of resolved to go and just, I was like, I'm just going to go see a film. Okay. Uh, and obviously the kind of things that I would maybe talk about in this podcast, we were a day short of things like Unfriended Dark Web and, and the Meg coming out. So, and I, and I mean, obviously, we talk about horror here. We're, we both like all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to see Hearts Beat Loud okay. uh, this week, which stars Nick Offerman and Kiersey Clemens. I love it. I love Nick Offerman. I also I love Nick Offerman. He's brilliant. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to see him play a character that isn't just like Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec-esque. And, and he doesn't do that here at all. <laughs> okay. I don't want to say too much about it. It's, it's, like, it's like an indie comedy drama. There's some really interesting father-daughter stuff in there. The music, like it's got a very heavy music emphasis and the music in it is great, which I think is crucial. Like, I, like I, I've seen films that, that are about the process of making music and things like that. And I find that if you don't like the songs, it takes you out of it completely in a way that's not the film's fault at all. Um, as it turned out, really like the songs and all this. Uh, Tony Collette's in it. She's now been in possibly my top two favourite films of the year, this and Hereditary. Yeah, Hearts Beat Loud. It's brilliant. It made me feel great. I woke up in the morning the next day still thinking about it. Even if you haven't seen the film and you don't have a chance to listen to the soundtrack, the songs are brilliant. Cracking film. Loved it. And also while we're on things that aren't horror specific, uh, I just checked out a little bit behind the cover again, as I always am. Um, Check out uh, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, because it's fucking brilliant. I had such a good time with that film. I don't want to get too much into it, but all I will say is Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. Get it watched if you haven't already, because it's great fucking It's an absolute blast. Yeah, it's a really, really fun film. Okay. So, I have two left, and you know what that means. Beautiful. That's what I'm talking about. That was great. That's that good. That's that go get attitude that I was looking for. That's that God-given gift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Shockwaves 100 time. Fuck um, yeah. So uh, I was at six. Last week, yeah. after I managed to get three in the can last sure. week. Sure, yep, yep, yep. Um, I did say that I might have to go out of sequence because I'm having some problems uh, sourcing a copy of Angst in a cost-effective way. An illegal way. Yeah, and I'm definitely, obviously, I'm not going down any illegal channels. Yep. But what I will say is we do have a lot of people who are listening now. Yep. So if any of you out there do have a copy of Angst and fancy shooting it our way, drop us a message on any of the channels that we mentioned at the end of the episode and we promise we will return it to you. Yeah, we'll 100%. We'll we'll, uh, give you a mention and talk you up for being a hero. I have seen it but don't have it. 
Right, I um, but yeah, if anybody wants to help us out in that way, I 100% promise we'll return it, and uh, hopefully just like maybe just like throw something else fun in there just to say thank you. So take angst out the equation, which should be next in line. So we had to. Do you have asylum? I had asylum, yeah. So asylum 1972, three, somewhere in that area. It's an anthology, as you know. Mm-hmm. Anthology, a platform, a, a format I tend to gravitate towards. You like them? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm more inclined to give anthologies a go than most other things. Yep. Um, it's because you get a short attention span. That must be what it is, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Asylum, again, I don't like being the for those who haven't seen it thing, but for those who haven't seen it, set in an, in an asylum. What? I know. Someone comes, uh, kind of, he's interviewing for a doctor's job on site. And the format of it is that he has to go and interview four patients and correctly deduce which one was is... the former head the f- of... Yeah, the former head of the asylum, yeah, who's had a breakdown and is now an inmate or patient. As a wraparound idea, I think that that is great. It's really, sure. really cool. And a couple of the stories I really liked, I felt like this tapered off quite a bit in the second half. Oh, okay. I found the second half of this film to be pretty hard work. Okay. Amazing cast, though. Peter Cushing, Charlotte Rampling, Brett Eklund, like, mental, like, real credentials. But I, uh, yeah, I had to fight with this one a little bit. Didn't love it. A lot of really good stuff in there, and I think that I'm also aware that it's objectively a good film, but not for me particularly. If you're wondering about where it's sat on the spectrum, I would say that I found, uh, we spoke about it before, but Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein is not my thing. I'm aware that it's good, but it's the one that I had the hardest time with, because it's just not something I'm up for. Sure. And I would say that Asylum's maybe second in that regard. Okay. Um, However, the other one that we watched this week, uh, and I say we because we watched it right before we came on here. Yeah, and I Uh, I did say that we were going to watch it together, and we have watched it together. Like, moments before we pressed record on this recording, we watched Takashi Miike's audition. uh, A shameful first watch for me. A shameful uh, first watch. I wouldn't agree. I would say that uh, an American movie from London was more shameful. I know, I know. This is a little bit more out there uh, than yeah, an American but... movie from London. But uh, yeah, we watched uh, Takashi Miku's audition, and it was one that um, certainly the last time we talked about this, you had expressed a little bit of concern about watching. I want to say concern, but like, um, yeah, I think that its reputation came before it a bit, and um, obviously I know a little bit, or I knew a little bit going in about where it goes. Not so much story-wise, but in terms of what actually... What goes on, if you like. Right, okay. Um, so I was aware that it was graphic. I was aware it was disturbing. Except it's not particularly graphic, is it? It's not, not, I mean, it's graphic. There's certainly graphic things in it, and it's certainly disturbing. But, but it's, it's not, not as graphic not, as it might be. It's not as graphic, perhaps, as you were led to believe. Perhaps not, no. Um, but I do want to definitely like, make it clear that, one, it is a profoundly disturbing film. Sure. And two... Of the now eight that I've seen of this, I know I said last week that Angel Heart was my favourite. I think that that is probably now not the case. I think the audition is wow, uh, okay, my favourite one that I've watched so far yeah. out of these. I properly love this film. It's uh, like I took to it straight away, and we spoke about this at the time. We we didn't kind of we, we didn't comment too much as we were watching, but like um, it manages its tone so unbelievably well. Yeah, the like, tone changes very subtly, and uh, then very until abruptly. a point that it's impossible to be subtle anymore and it has to go very, very heavy and it does. But even then, it's done in this way that's so kind of cold. Yeah, it's very... Um, it comes across as a very polite thing, which I don't know if that's a Japanese thing. Uh, he's not known for his kind of subtlety, but this is a far more subtle film than what we've come to kind of expect from Miki. And to me, it feels very polite in the way that it handles the violence and the darker elements in it and I think that's amazing. 
I mean, for clarity, the team we're talking about specifically is, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume that most of the people out there listening are familiar with audition. Right. But um, the scene where it's after, quite an assumption, but okay. I mean, is it? I think so. I mean, yeah. I, 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 well, I, in that case, very quickly, potted synopsis: guy who has lost his wife seven years previous, thereabouts. Yeah, is kind of looking to get back out there. Um, his friend, who is a TV. No film, film, film producer. Film producer. Yeah, but this is a pre kind of, I guess, kind of online dating. Um, yeah, pr- yeah, yeah. So he suggests basically kind of like dueling, dueling up, uh, setting up an audition for a role in a film, but also just, but kind to of find him a wife. To find him a wife, yeah. Like basically make the uh, the character spec his kind of ideal woman and see who comes into audition. Sure. So they do that, and uh, he kind of like he ends up dating one of them. And it's after the first time that they go out and he says he's going to call her and then you see him kind of humming and haying about calling her and then he does. And then this girl who she does seem kind of strange but like very sweet and very kind of quiet and very shy. And when it cuts to the phone ringing and her, she's obviously just been sitting waiting and she's sitting in this kind of <laughs> underfurnished kind of hovel of a flat just with the phone on the floor just sitting staring at it waiting for it to ring and there's an unspecified large human-shaped bag in the corner and... A lot of the kind of stuff about the audition and when they're talking about it before that is played out quite whimsically. Light-hearted lad, yeah. kind of lads hanging out with lads and having a great time together, kind of thing. Like, yeah, which I think also like I think <laughs> the inter- the entire conceit of this you would you wouldn't like this is not something you could make in twenty eighteen. I don't think, but like um, but uh, but <laughs> in yeah, post Weinstein world, absolutely yeah, no, yeah. not like one hundred percent that. Like um, but yeah, it's played kind of like it's kind of not for laughs, but it's played in a way that feels kind of light, and very abruptly. And this was, I think, the thing about it that I found the most striking, which was just kind of like, because I've, I've seen tone shifts before, but when that happened, I was like, I am so incredibly and so immediately freaked out by this. You glanced round at me with a look of alarm, and you said, like, this has changed really quick. This must have. <laughs> this has changed really, really quickly. This must have been a fun one too. And a couple of people got in touch with Twitter on Twitter about this, saying that it would be a fun one to watch somebody watch for the first time. How did you find that fun? I did find it fun watching you watch it. Yeah, and I mean, like the the kind of like it's so obviously the. the torture stuff in the end is famous it's sure. notorious and i was re- so i was kind of braced for that and it is deeply unpleasant but what i would say is um just before that there is kind of what appears to be this kind of sequence of interlocking dream sequences that was stunning like that i couldn't look away from yeah i desperately wanted to look away from the torture <laughs> stuff but um it demands your attention in a, in a way in this it's um it's done in that kind of japanese polite almost welcoming way where you know what you're watching is disgusting but because it's done in that way, there uh, you're kind of you feel obligated to watch it. If yeah, that makes sense. I I I couldn't tear myself away from it. Um, I yeah. I mean, I I've been like I say, I, this has been on my list for a while. I've been kind of pushing it back and back. I'm really happy that I've now seen it. Good. I'm glad. Um, I, I would like you to take that into watching other things that you've maybe been put off watching because you've heard bad things about it, or you've heard that there's some really heavy stuff in there I would like you to, to go to go into other things with certainly the same level of open mind that you've gone into audition and I do want to quantify this by saying that I think that like for as much as and I mean we kind of make a joke about it the fact that I haven't seen much we've got to come out of that yeah as well. um, I haven't seen I haven't seen much but I did like I think I think I am pretty good at giving things a go yeah 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 of um, course yeah yeah I'm pretty good at like get, kind of going head on into things um, and but yeah, I think I think that I should probably do that. I think I should probably let the fact that I love tradition so much kind of inform what I do next in terms of viewing things, and not be put off by reputational things or feel the need to postpone things because of that. I but no audition. I, I, I like I say, Asylum not so hot for me. Uh, like I say, I'm totally aware that it's an objectively good film. It's just not my style. Okay. 
audition 100% is. Um, and we'll get to angst. And we will get to angst. Yeah, okay. that, that'll 100% be done. But well, yeah, that's fine. Lots of good stuff coming up as well on that list. I'm really looking forward to it. A lot of first watches too. That's fine. We're almost at the end of the A's and into the B's. Yeah. Which is great. So, <clears throat> and again. Dun, 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 what have I been saying? Ah, wowza. Lovely. Lovely. Um, so, uh, feedback. We have got um, a couple of things in the feedback section. Well, in fact, for a few this week again. Thank you very much to everybody that's been getting in touch. And uh, actually, before we move away entirely from audition, Okay. I just want to start up that this afternoon, because uh, like we say, we're recording this on a Saturday, we posted a picture on Instagram of me kind of looking apprehensive holding the Arrow Video Steelbook that we ended up watching. And uh, Mouse Shadowcrafts uh, got in touch again on Instagram. Thanks for getting back in touch on that one. And mm-hmm. uh, just said, this is my go-to as a first date film. It helps me weed out the timid, which it would. Well, wow, that'll certainly do it. I thought that was quite funny, yeah. Everything else that I've got is either Deep Rising or The Incredible Melting Man. Okay, yeah, I've got. Okay, well, let's dive into Deep Rising then. How about that? Uh, yeah, cool. So I've got um, uh, Antonis Constantini got in touch on Facebook. Uh, just said, looking forward to this. Uh, got a real soft spot for this film, much better than it gets credit for, which I'm sure uh, Mr. Stuart Spark would agree with. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, Antonis, get back in touch. Let us know what you thought of the episode and what of the chat. Like, be nice to hear. It'd be nice to hear that. But yeah, um, so Antonis on the side of Stuart Spark and ultimately us. Yeah, and uh, jumping over to Twitter. Um, we had Barry Dalgano at Dalgano Barry get in touch saying okay so I just found out that there's a 20th anniversary Blu-ray coming out in the States in a couple of weeks with about a couple of hours of extras too yeah uh, certainly I know that uh, Kino Lorber in the US are putting out a Blu-ray okay. um, I know that Heather Buckley who joined us to talk about the ninth configuration is involved in the production of the the extras on that yeah she's, so, been, uh, she's been talking about that this week yeah. yeah and I would absolutely be sucking that up if it wasn't US exclusive and I don't have uh, uh, a Blu-ray player that will allow multi-regions. Ah, uh, okay, okay. But no, it looks so, like it looks like it's going to be a good one, though. Yep, definitely. So get off of this and onto a subject that's really close to my heart. Yeah, as we, the Incredible Mountain Man. I was going to say right? we le- we learned a lot about your love for the Incredible Mountain Man last week in an in an episode and a chat I really enjoyed. Yeah, I so think I, you did. I want to just say by the way, that I think that you for a film that you obviously you obviously love and a film that's very dear to your heart as well. It is dear to my heart. I yep. think that. I want to say that I think that you did a very good job of staying even-handed about it. <laughs> it's not like me. No, I thought you did well. It's not uh, like me. Yeah, like I, th- I thought that like it was a balanced conversation. Well, let me preface this with something that's kind of flying in the face of what the opinion that we've had in a way. Going back to the episode itself, when we kind of were wrapping up the episode, we touched on a tweet that came in from Dave Cooper at Deluxe underscore Man who said, um, at Strong Violent PC, Incredible Melton Man, what a crock of shite. Can't wait to hear you defend this. Admittedly, it's good and gooey, but just plain awful in every other respect. Harsh. Yep, but I don't know if everyone listens to every episode, but certainly that was a tweet that came in. Uh-huh. If you're familiar at all with Incredible Melton Man, is that something you agree with? Would you come down on the same side as Dave in terms of the quality of the Incredible Melton Man? I mean, I, I, th- I think I was kind of like, I was quite open about the fact that I didn't, like, I didn't particularly like the film. Sure. But I think that also I thought that it's, there's definitely, it's not meritless and it's not, and it's merit doesn't just lie in its practical effects, although they are great. 
yet. I think that there's there's some good character stuff in there. Good. Um, and like, and like, I, I it, the end result isn't something that's particularly for me. But I think that, <laughs> but I think that, just yeah. But 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 there's good elements in there. I think that I think I think that Crocodile is a harsh interpretation. Jumping on to Facebook, uh, Michael Fausty got in touch. I say he got in touch. He just said loved this film. Nah, which is fine. That's all you need. And uh, Andy McCartan got in touch. Now I'm not entirely sure if this is a if this is a typo or a comment <laughs> on the quality of the film, but uh, I'll get to that. Uh, Andy McCartan, pure cheese. This was one of the first horrors I saw in the local cinema when I was about 12 years old. Parenthesis. Thanks, sis. <laughs> okay. So uh, yeah, um, presumably his sister took him to that. Yeah. The effects so. seemed fairly solid at the time. Last saw in a grainy DVD a few years bad. <laughs> So a few years back, you're thinking. I'm thinking it's back, or he thinks it's a bad film. Um, I'm I, gonna go with the fact that I'm right and it's back. Yeah, I don't think he, I don't think he, I don't think he thinks it's a bad film. No, I think I, I think that would be out of step with everything else he said. Well, okay. Um, a little bit of enthusiasm as well. Uh, Dangerous board on your side just said yes when we announced that we had. Uh, I'll do. Got I'll do. I'm down with that. Also, Dennis <laughs> uh, Extra Atherton at sure. Dennis Beans on Twitter. <laughs> sure. Uh, good man, got in touch. Just a wee nod to the Johnny Mnemonic episode. Uh, when we announced it, he said, uh, sounds like a recipe for more seepage, which uh, it's probably... <laughs> yeah, the, like, there's a lot of seepage in this film. Um, I would argue more seepage than in Johnny Mnemonic. Oh. Seepage is more of an abstract concept in Johnny Mnemonic than it is in The Incredible Melton Man, but it's very much on display, very much in your face, yep. and very much across the countryside, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's spread around in a three-mile radius, I would say. A Stevie Deposit. Stevie Deposit. Um, I also had um, oh, uh, Random Elements got in touch as well, um, at Random Elements on Twitter, just said, no collection should be without Melty, and posted a picture of the, uh, the Arrow Blu-ray. Yeah, I would agree. That is um, on your shelf as well. Incredible Melton Man makes a collection. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Stevie, uh, film fan Stevie got in touch as well, and I quite like this, just as a life lesson. Yeah, he just <laughs> okay. he, he said when you face a crisis in life, make sure you've got crackers at home. Well, that's true. Going back to the episode uh, the episode, and indeed the film itself, in which um, when our, uh, I guess our, the hero of the piece, Ted Nelson, finds out that his best friend is in fact melting, he's more concerned about whether or not his wife Judy has picked up the crackers that have been requested in the weekly shop yeah. than anything else. Which, like which I say, is, is a, true. a touch I liked, um, as we discussed. Um, you got anything else? Response. Yeah. Uh, first time message Oh, from a new a newbie. New person. Got, uh, hey. At Kazanian Books. Cool. Uh, getting in touch to say The Incredible Melton Man was the first film I ever saw on a Betamax video recorder. <laughs> nice. Um, I must have been about five years old and the whole neighbourhood gathered in my mum's living room to watch it. No way. I think that's how this film should be watched. I would implore more festivals to programme The Incredible Melton Man and let's get it going. Let's get The Incredible Melton Man out there and we'll, we'll go for it. This is a very cool story. Yeah. I would um, love to know more about it. What um, at Kazanian Books? What was your opinion at the time? What was the general consensus? As a five-year-old, what? Yeah, as a five-year-old, fuck's sake. What was you? What was the general consensus in the room? Oh yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And now, now with the benefit of years since the demise of Betamax, I'm surmising there's potentially thirty years at least going on here. Yeah, quite possible. What is your uh, opinion of the Incredible Melton Man now? Yeah, let us know all those things if you're listening. All of those okay. answers. Um, uh, yeah, at Kazanian Books. Thanks very much for getting in touch. Good, Darren Gaskell, got in touch. Sure. Talking about the Incredible Mountain Man, he said uh, he landed on your side of it. He said I really don't get the level of vitriol directed at this. It may be clunky at times, 
But there's something heartfelt. But there's, <laughs> but there's something heartfelt about it that cuts through any cynicism I might have had. And the bit with the head in the waterfall is genuinely horrific, which I agree with. Uh, so yeah, Darren, like I say, uh, lining up behind you on Team Melton Man. Anything else? Oh, I do have one more. Um, which was just, and this is kind of this kind of speaks to well, it's it's a nod to the fact that I have seen fuck all as we've discussed. I haven't seen many films or not enough mm, films. True. Um, and we did mention last week that I just watched American Werewolf in London. <laughs> yeah. And uh, film fan Stevie got in touch again, and he just said, tweeting as I listen to Strong Violent PC, can't believe Watchfires Mitch has watched an American Werewolf in London for the first time. But also jealous. Would love to watch that for the first time again. And that's, I must admit, that's one of the nice things people keep saying about this I agree. I remember seeing it for the first time. It was one of the first things I ever, ever, ever saw in horror. And it was was at my godfather's house. And he showed me it when I was way too young to see it. And it blew blew my tiny mind at an age not far off of what Kazanian Books was when when she watched Incredible Milton Man. Mm-hmm. So okay. yeah, I would love to go back to, and I, I think I said this last week that I'm kind of envious in a way that you get to see these things for the first time. Yeah, and, a, f- a few people, and are I'm that. hundreds cool. of watches down the line. The p- people keep kind of like, yeah, it kind of mitigates. Um, yeah, it kind of mitigates me feeling like, uh, uncultured that everyone is being nice about it sure. in that way. So onwards and upwards. <sighs> Another theme tune from me. You um, need to start. What happened to you writing things? I know, I know, I know. I, I, I had like I had a commission to do this week musically, so um, I didn't have time. Right, okay. In well, watches, well, let got... me come up with this one then. Okay. Uh, he hasn't seen anything, so I'm gonna show him things. It's Mitch's pitches. Oh. Strong. Oh, okay. So it is our second ever Mitch's Pitches. Um, so for anyone that missed this last week, uh, as is well documented on the show, I have seen fucking nothing. Nothing. Uh, I have not seen enough films. Sure. Um, as a result, one of the many ways that we found we could exploit this in a way that makes me look foolish and also is entertaining <laughs> is through the segment that has now become Mitch's Pitches. So in effect, what happens is a close associate of ours, one who had come up with the idea for the feature actually, sends us a poster of a horror film from years gone by from your yeah um with uh, all titles taglines etc removed yeah and uh i basically take a look at it have we think and come up with my idea for what i think that the film is about yeah and to most people out there they'll probably know the image almost immediately and i <laughs> but because we're dealing with mitch that's not the case at all i mean so probably not. i have now sent you an image to your phone okay. and for anyone listening going wait a minute this is a fucking audio podcast we will post these images online we put them side everywhere. by side yeah. with the real poster itself and also mitch once he's looked at the image we'll break it down dissect it and give you a very audible description of what he is seeing okay the picture's here i'm looking Got at it? it yeah yeah yeah. right okay let's go right okay so okay so what i'm looking at okay is uh what appears to be it's either like a small town or it's suburbia i'm gonna say suburbia Okay. Right. So you got a row, a row of houses um, and some trees. Also, all of this is ha- it's kind of in the view of a graveyard. Okay. Right. Graveyard. Uh, so yeah. So graveyard, houses, trees. Um, <laughs> in the sky, there is a large cloud formation that has taken on a monstrous visage. So that's even, exactly exactly what you're what you're seeing. So uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, I, I like doing that bit. Right. Okay. Um, this is where it becomes a little bit hard. This is where it gets so, a little trickier. So now I'm going to ask you to look at that image. Okay. And try to figure out what the film's about. Right. Give me a wee sec. And if you can, at any point, come down on the title. 
I would love for you to posit a title. If I, if a title ever comes to me like organically, I'm I will shout it out. But okay. I, I would say that's like I was. Whole, I will think of a title as well. The whole thing's difficult, but I think that thinking of a title is especially hard. Go on. Right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, monsters facing the clouds over a suburban graveyard skyline. Okay. I am gonna say that this is set in suburbia. <laughs> I'm gonna say that it's. Yep. A, I'm gonna say that I'm, like rather than a village, you know. Like, I'm gonna so, tell you that you're right. Okay, that's cool. Uh, I'm gonna say also that it takes place over the measure of maybe one evening. I'm going to tell you that's also true. Okay, cool. Right. Um. So, so you're on track. Well, uh, on yeah. track for Nate. Right? This is this is when it all goes to shit. But like, um. So what I'm also seeing is that lightning is striking a bunch of the houses. Yeah. In the poster, in a lightning bolt that appears to be connected. Okay. Like one big one that's striking loads of houses at the same time. Okay. Sure. So, this is like, like I said, this is where this all goes down a horrendous path. But I am going to say, right. <laughs> so, it's set in suburbia. Right. Like I say, over the measure of one evening. One evening. And I would say the witch. Big lightning bolt. Uh, big lightning bolt. But I am. Um, Zip it, zap. <laughs> go on. So, this. I'm going to say, I'm going to go that it's supernatural. Right. Um, I can tell by the look in your face. This is the first sign <laughs> of I'm going to keep my face... Uh, hang on, I'm going to change my face to absolutely neutral. It's a strong neutral face. Um, so I'm going to say that... I don't want to just keep saying demonic presence, but I'm going to go with it. Well, I mean, in the, uh, hey, you, you could get a run of demonic presence films. I don't know. This is it, you know, uh, because you don't choose. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say that what you have here is... I'm showing my working for this. It's because all of the houses are connected by the big lightning bolt that are getting struck at the same time, right? Right. So what I'm going to say is that, yeah, it's a demonic presence and a kind of curse kind of form that is passed on. Like, it follows. It follows. Right? right okay. um, but Go on. it's not immediately apparent to the viewer that that is the case. Right. Um, and I would say, so what you'll see is... This curse, I don't know what the specifics of the curse are, I'll have to think about that. But um, uh, you can get back to this on so that. So you kind of see it affecting a couple of houses in the area. Sure. Um, and it becomes apparent that they're connected. And maybe the first act is it making the curse making its way to the family who are the protagonists, right? Right. Okay. So oh, man. Okay. So they have now they they're faced with this this awful thing is going on in their house. They eventually figure out what's going on, but also realise that it's an It Follows style, pass it down the line thing, uh, and that it's been passed to them. <laughs> they figure that out one way or another. Cliff okay. Notes bomb at some point. Right, sure, sure. Of course, um, naturally. So, so what you're getting, I would say at this point, is that the rest of it is going to play out like a kind of morality play, in that oh, they, wow. okay. uh, they fully understand the ramifications of passing it on, right. because they're living it. Sure. So they know how to do it. Right. But the question that remains is a moral one. Should they do it? Yes. It's not a survival thing. Obviously, it's a survival thing in certain ways. But they know how they know how to do it. It's a question of should they. Right. And that's you. Do you have a title at all in no. mind? Right. Okay. Do you have a title in mind? I uh, mean, obviously, I'm you going to go you, for Helltown. I like Helltown. That's fine. Uh, yeah. Helltown, Helltown's these. Yeah. I like that. That was just right up. But what I can tell you is that you're, you hit a couple of points correctly. <laughs> The first two, <laughs> but uh, beyond that, uh, it certainly was the poster image for uh, for Ken Wiederhorn's nineteen eighty eight zombie film, Return of the Living Dead Part Two. Oh my fucking god! Is it actually? It is, yeah. In which uh, in which Tommy Jarvis slash Tom Matthews 
reprises his role from the original film. Well, him and James Caron come back to play pretty much the same characters that they play in Return of the Living Dead. Um, And quite a wee bit of a different, more comical story Mm. um, in which a small suburban town is besieged by zombies. Okay, as opposed to a demonic presence. Yeah, you you went too deep. Uh, You you did go too deep, but that's okay. I would rather you went too deep than played too loose. Oh, definitely, exactly. And I mean, like, I think that would like. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna get these wrong for loads of reasons. But But I think everyone out there in the world knows that that is the poster for Return of Living Dead Part Two. (laughs) Yeah, it's quite embarrassing. It's one of the more famous horror posters. What you mean, uh, the uh, monstrous visage in the clouds above the suburbs and the graveyard? Yes. Yes. Yeah. But there we go. That's another Mitch's pitches down. Yeah, I mean, like, how, um, like, how are you, how are you finding this? Do you think it's funny, or does it just make you angry that you're listening to the ramblings of a moron? Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Moving uh-huh. swiftly on. Moving swiftly on. A quick podcast recommendation. Oh yeah. Get yep. this out of the way quickly because it's my turn. Um, arguably the best podcast in the world, in my opinion. Oh my. Uh, it's the last podcast on the left. Okay. In which uh, Marcus Parks, Ben Kissel, and Henry Zabrowski put the world to rights um, while discussing cryptids, UFOs, serial killers. All three of them are amazingly, amazingly funny comedians. Um, and all three of them do an amazing job in discussing this stuff. And uh, there's a reason it's one of the, bi- the biggest podcasts in the world because it's fucking amazing. Uh, last podcast on the left. If you're not listening to it, then you are not listening to any podcast worth listening to in my opinion because oh. it's one of the best out there it's fucking amazing bombastic stuff from Andy Stewart I'm not even playing not playing now getting it out of the way recommending the last podcast on the left hitting out with the big guns so guess it's time to turn our attentions to this coming Friday's show please tell me we've got a guest we've got a guest Yay! this week yeah I knew we had a guest coming out of this I was just playing for drama oh shit no we do Um, and it's a really good one as well. Um, you know him best as the director of the Shutter exclusive film Beyond the Gates. We have been joined this week by Mr. Jackson Stewart. So very much looking forward to having Jackson on the show. What's he chosen? Um, yeah, we're jumping away back to 1987 here uh, for uh, a film that I really like. It uh, stars Kathy Moriarty and David Keith, not to be mistaken with Keith David. Oh, even I know that distinction. Who, is, yeah. uh, who was in the, the, the thing they live and there's something about Mary. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it's uh, Donald Camel's White of the Eye. Okay, White of the Eye. Seen it? No. <laughs> no I, I didn't think you had. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, Beyond the Gates director Jackson Stewart joins us to talk White of the Eye this Friday. Yep. Going to be a good one. And I guess that's just about it for another mini-sode. And we're done. Yeah, just like that. Uh, but as ever, thanks to everyone for listening and also for getting in touch. If you want to get in touch about everything we've talked about on the show today, or anything that we've talked about on the show today, and anything we haven't. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, just like let us know anything, anything. Yeah. <laughs> you can uh, you can get in touch in loads of ways: Facebook and Instagram, Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us at Strong Violent PC, and you can also email us at Strong Language Violent Scenes at gmail Yep, absolutely. And if you want to be listening, if you're not already listening, <laughs> which you. Kind of Which you obviously are. Yeah, you obviously are. But there's other places you can get us, despite where you might be listening. You can get us at Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Podbean, amongst other places. Yeah, you but those can, are the main yeah. guys that we love. Yeah, those are the main. Until ones. the other people tell us otherwise. <laughs> but yeah, we'll be back Friday, eight a.m. Jackson Stewart joins us. We're talking white of the eye. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget that it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Good night. Goodbye.
You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. <laughs>